Hello, welcome to the CSA podcast. This is Derek Harp, your host and the founder and chairman of CSA. And uh, today I've got a very special guest. If you know, we've been doing a series of uh, security leader interviews, finding out their story and uh, their journey, their personal journey uh, on their career path, where they started and choices they made along the way. And it never fails to illuminate some you know, best practices and ideas that, uh, that, that any person could uh, potentially use in their career choices. And so I'm really excited. My, my guest today is Daryl Hegley. Many of you probably know him. He is a longtime involved direct member and as a, a military officer and then as a civilian in DOD operations. And today he is the director of mission assurance and cyber deterrence for the DOD. And he is right there in the middle of you know, some of the, the issues that we face as a nation state in cybersecurity. Uh, which aren't all that together different than you know than than we all face collectively, but there's obviously some some capabilities uh, that the government uh, you know leads typically leads the charge on, and uh, so we'll talk a little bit about his career path that led to where he is today, and um, some non classified things, of course, uh, that he could share with us about what he's doing today. But uh, welcome to the show, Daryl. Well, thanks, well, Derek. Uh, great to be here. You know, Daryl, I always start these with the same sort of notion that uh, cybersecurity. Uh, warriors and practitioners are the superheroes of today, and all superheroes have a backstory. So, what is your backstory? Where Where did you uh, grow up? Where'd you come from? Well, so in South Jersey, you know, a lo- long time ago, some kryptonite landed near my house. No, just kidding. So, <laughs> uh, now in so- South Jersey, a small town called uh, Absecon, which borders Atlantic City, and is uh, when the uh, casinos were coming in, and uh, my father said, "Yeah, we're kind of." going to go to a different place. We moved to Medford, New Jersey, which is about 30 miles east of Philadelphia. So, and, and people were so always shocked to hear that there were, there's corn growing and I could see cows out my front window growing up in Jersey. All right. Well, uh, so you're growing up in Jersey. I'm always curious uh, what was kind of the intersection of, uh, you know, of technology. How early did that start for you? I've had guests say that it was, you know, it was late in life and others say it was, you know, basically cutting their teeth as, as soon as they could on something. When, when did technology kind of intersect with your life? Well, first, I'd like to uh, satisfy everybody's question that as soon as they heard that I was from New Jersey, I needed to tell them what exit I was from. So exit, exit four. OK, so so no one has to worry about that now. You know, uh, I heard that question. And the, only, the second thing is people talk about jug handles, which I didn't know until I uh, oh, went yeah. to our business, our, our own efficiencies <laughs> in the Garden State, right? Uh, so I've, I've always been fascinated with tech, technology, and I, I think I could link that clo- most closely to uh, actually Star Trek and uh, watching Star Trek episodes uh, with my father and brothers. Uh, that's where I really got enthralled in, uh, you know, so you could have things open automatically. You could have, uh, you know, sensors that uh, can detect something happening and then make something move or beam. So I, I've always been intrigued in uh, in technology and uh, seeing ways that it, it can make our lives uh, more simpler, I guess. So the next question, again, a natural question is any any intersection with security or some people have admitted a little bit of uh, uh, maybe poking around. Uh, did that happen early for you or was it just technology and you go off to school? Yeah, so- yeah, so so now I, I really wasn't focused on a technology role, and as uh, we'll talk a little bit as uh, get through this, just my path to where I am today really did not emanate uh, through technology at all. So I've kind of been able to make the most of it, learn from it, learn from all the experts that uh, that do that. But uh, I was not one of those people who uh, was hacking it, you know, 
uh, the garage door opener as a kid. So just more fascinated and wanted to learn how that stuff would work. Yeah, um, it makes sense. And that 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 is kind of a path, I suspect, uh, that played out over time. So what did you do, uh, you know, uh, post uh, post high school? What was next? So next uh, went to, uh, so I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do for college. So, but my, my uh, dad had some friends who went to the Navy, it was, were in the Navy. My uncle was in the Navy ROTC and uh, the University of South Carolina had me go, offer me a, a spot there in the engineering school and at the Navy ROTC. So, so that's where I was there. I, I switched majors to finance and uh, administrative management. Uh, I had tried out for the football team and made it as a walk-on and couldn't keep up those engineering uh, scores. So uh, I, I switched over. Uh, and then, but the CEO of the ROTC said, hey, who's uh, who's paying for your school? I said, you are, Captain. Says, well, time to come off the uh, the team and, and march with a rifle. So, <laughs> So that's that's uh, that's where I went to college. <laughs> I won't tell my story, but it's eerily similar. ROTC <laughs> yeah. and uh, had, had to get a little bit of a calibration uh, about you know things I needed to focus on. Uh, so that's that's funny. That must be that must have played out you know many every year around the around the uh, around the schools. And I, I thought I was kind of done with school, uh, but you know I, I ended up uh, getting you know, three master's degrees going, you know, uh, to, to different schools uh, during my Navy career, which I did next because, uh, uh, you know, from ROTC went in the Navy, but uh, Naval Postgraduate School, got a master's in there in space operations and orbitology. And then later I was at the Air Command and Staff College and uh, they you know, get a master's in science. And then at night I went to Troy State University to get an MBA. So I was thinking all these things were, uh, you know, going to, going to help me really position myself, uh, you know, after I got out of uh, the Navy. Yeah. And so you, uh, you know, you and I have something in common, as we discussed uh, before, you, you were uh, a surface warfare officer, as, as was I. And so you, you, you got out and it wasn't into, you know, a quote unquote technical field. There's technical exposure, obviously, in any of those positions. But what was the transition from college ROTC, you went in as a, as 1110, as a SWO, and then you, you know, somewhere you became a cryptologist. Right. So I was at the Naval Postgraduate School. I was studying there. Uh, and again, I kind of thought I was done with all my engineering and uh, physics and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it was exciting being uh, learning about that and also learning the DoD mission that was using space assets and, and, uh, and, and what we could do with that. And so then I applied to cross over into the 1610 designator cryptology. And I was picked up and initially, and right from there, I went to uh, Rota, Spain, to uh, their SIGINT site out there. And I also deployed with, uh, you know, some teams and ships and and uh, kind of went all over the Mediterranean uh, from there. So it's, it's probably possible to say that right around there when you cross over, that's where security, if if I understand your all of your biography, that's kind of where it, it intersects and stays permanently. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, they, they kind of really that focus on uh, you know knowing what you need to protect. There are different ways to protect, and also I got the sense of always knowing that there are adversaries that are looking at every single way to get in to and any way they can. And that uh, you know I, I learned an important lesson that over over history it's, it's hard to find a shield that was ever you know made to defend uh, against all 
new weapons that were uh, you know, created after. You know, we, we, we created a, a wall that we think couldn't climb, but then we threw stuff over, right? And then, yeah. you know, so, so all that kind of stuff. Um, but yes, uh, big security focus there. Yeah, I can't help it. You know, I, I have a history degree. You know, are we still, are we building a Hadrian walls still and Maginot lines still? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, history repeats itself, doesn't it? I'm just curious, when was that that you, um, Naval Postgraduate School and, and kind of, when did security then? How many years ago was that? No, that, well, that's, uh, you're going to need an abacus to get way back there. Uh, so about uh, 94 to 97, uh, at the postgraduate school, road to Spain through uh, about the year 2000, and then um, back to uh, Fort Meade and back to stateside working uh, with the headquarters and also with the Marines. And then that's when I had an opportunity to go down to uh, Montgomery and go to the uh, uh, mid-career officer school with the, uh, uh, at the, sponsored by the Air Force. Each of the services had that training. And it was just amazing. You'd have international officers, all the other services there. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I, I just got greater insight to the kind of the joint mission, how it all kind of comes together. Kind of a focus there. I started getting uh, a focus on uh, also how to tie space and, and security and uh, the missions that are needed support from an international perspective. Yeah, I'm curious if you would if you would look back on over all those years and that's, you know, that that's 20, if I did the math right, 23, 24 years since security kind of intersects itself and stays as part of your life. That's that's early years. You know, you're you are as a number of my guests, you know, I, I would be, you know, I know you wouldn't label yourself. I'd say you're you're one of these cybersecurity pioneers, somebody working on this. There's other people clearly, but you're in a group right. of people that were working on it very early and you've seen all these things. And now today, obviously, it's a big topic. A lot more people involved. A lot of people focusing on what do we do about this. Yeah, but you could, when you look back, how informative or you know those early experiences you had. Do you still reference like, wow, this is this is a lesson? Do you see things like we we do this, we right. do this, and and we're still wrestling with it today. That that sort of long perspective that not many people can have. Uh, absolutely, especially a little bit later in the navy in my naval career when I got assigned to a naval warfare activity. And now we were focused, uh, part of the cryptologist field was looking at information operation. And so, and one of those uh, key elements, pillars back then we called them, was operations security or OPSEC, you know, the whole loose lip sync ships. And that was really given, quote, you know, lip service for so many years. And people just kind of thought it was good to go and assumed it would it'd be good to go. And then I started digging into it for the Navy and started working with the agencies and we found out uh, not at all. And in fact, uh, one of my first job out of the Navy, I came back to the uh, so at the Naval uh, Service Warfare Command in the Navy Yard. I was uh, brought it was my first job right out of uh, uh, the Navy, and they had not implemented an OPSEC security program for ten years. So this is where you know you had to go to each of these different sites. There's almost thirty sites. You had to talk to the folks, see what they knew, and see what information they were potentially making available to an adversary to take advantage of. And that also, uh, to your point, kind of trickled up to what I was able to, to use uh, later on. So do you have any, at this kind of segment, it's interesting sometimes to say, any advice, some of our listeners are military, 
Um, and so they've got choices they can still make while they're in the service, thinking about what might I do after the service. So are there any choices that you made or that you would recommend that someone make, you know, to, you know, to, I hate to say it, but make their resume stronger, make their experience, you know, stronger, not just a paperwork drill, but really yeah. be, make themselves valuable, more valuable to the outside world in this, in this area or arena. Well, absolutely. If, if, if you are wanting to focus on cybersecurity and industrial cybersecurity or control systems, any of that, really take advantage of the things that the DHS, CSA's website and all that kind of training, the CSA's tra- training and, and uh, options there. The more that you could get insight to, the better. There's really not a light, nice, clear path, especially in the Department of Defense, to get you here. Uh, there are cyber billets, and folks uh, can certainly get assigned there, and that's going to be based on the certifications you attain and your experience. Uh, but there's not really a really nice, clear path. Uh, there hasn't been, for me, right now, there's not a real clear one, especially for this uh, sub-area. Yeah. Is there are, are there particular um, jobs, tangential jobs that somebody might try to get and they know they're going to get, you know, security training? So it's not necessarily by designation or by title, but it's like, yeah, if you go in this area, like I would assume in the, you know, the intelligence area, cryptology, you know, those sorts of areas, if they're not already in that, maybe look to see how they can get in that community. Sure. Sort of what you yeah. did. You went from right. surface warfare to cryptology. What are those communities that might really be where they're going to get the most security training, either you know, informally or formally. So certainly, each of the agencies within the intelligence community, they will have the greatest focus, and and the benefit there, you might be able to see both an offense and defensive tack to things. Whereas, you know, only understanding the defensive side could put someone at a little bit of a deep disadvantage. So there's some. I would think that would be one of the best opportunities there, uh, and and even but uh, you know. Uh, side education, certifications, um, you know, attending conferences, uh, when we get back to those in person, but as much yeah. as you can do now, uh, that also really can help set you apart. Yeah. Let's talk about control systems. You, you, you already broached the topic. When did that intersect? Obviously, cybersecurity predates concerning ourselves with these right. cyber physical systems. Um, and now you're neck deep in that. I know you do um, a lot. I don't know if I, I don't know if it'd be fair to say that's where you are focused exclusively within cybersecurity, but I know it's a big portion of it. Right. So that's that's kind of what I had done for the last several years. It was back in 2012 that, uh, and I was working for my energy office. So that is one of the things that uh, that was a little bit of a handicap in that the energy office was more into renewables than cyber. And it wasn't until when they had bought a bunch of um, or, or, or energy savings, and when they bought a bunch of smart meters, thinking they were going to save a bunch of money, they found out the IT people said, "You're not putting that stuff on these networks. They have open this, unsecure that. Where'd you buy this from?" Yeah. And all with good intentions, the engineers and facility people didn't know, you know, what to do. Yeah. So I had Assistant Secretary of Defense for Energy Installation and Environment say, "Daryl." Get the right people together and solve this. So I was thinking, sure, but really had no experience, didn't even know really the right people until, you know, I was able to talk to some different folks. We got them together. We had a working group over like two days to really understand we didn't know what we needed to know. We didn't have policies, procedures, guidance, best practices in place. And so that's really kind of where it took off. 
and where my real focus on control systems has been. Yeah. And how much of your of your focus now is exclusively in that area or just a lot of it? So it's kind of, uh, I would say about uh, less than about 30 uh, percent of it because I, okay. I, I shifted out of that energy office where uh, I was really focused on it full time. And then now I've, I've gone up into the principal cyber advisor's office that advises the secretary of defense on cyber issues. And so now I've, I've been focused as the title says on mission assurance and then uh, deterrence, although we're not really calling it deterrence, you know, it's more uh, uh, forward defense and that defend forward and that sort of thing. And then also critical infrastructure protection. So I've been able to kind of tie those together and still get involved, uh, but uh, it's, it's shifted. Uh, but I'm still, because of the training I've been to, certifications I have, I'm the only one certified in, in OSD with this certification. So I still am routinely asked uh, about all of these control system items. Yeah, it's it's as I, I know that you and mutual friends we've got. It's 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 unfortunately still greenfield in lots of ways. Just yeah, so it, much to do. It it really is, but it, it, that's what's great and exciting. There's a lot still to do. It's just trying to get all the right people on on board. Just as you know, when we have our CSA meetings, which is just a tremendous opportunity to bring people in and learn how they approach it and go over how you bring those people in and you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so looking at, at this career path then, uh, as you've outlined it, what are some things you, you think you did right or some things you would do differently? Career choices, training choices, certifications, whatever, you know, just reflecting, what are the highlights of like, this was a good move and here's what it did for me and this is something I wish I'd done differently. Anything in that area come to mind? So absolutely, going for the SAN certification, the uh, uh, GICSC, uh, uh, P, uh, Global uh, Industrial Control Systems uh, Certified Professional. I, that really uh, was just uh, you know, really focused. Uh, it forced me to really focus on some of the more uh, uh, technical details that I just did not have experience in. Uh, I, I didn't come from an IT field. I didn't come from a facilities background, but pushing myself and studying and doing that and attaining that, uh, that was, I think that was helpful and also helps, you know, you know, give me a little bit of credibility when I'm talking to some other folks in this field. You know, and I also did my best to reach out and talk to the people who actually were stakeholders and owners of these type of systems. You know, you go to buildings uh, uh, and, and ask them, are you implementing cybersecurity? Uh, and, and so that was very helpful. And attending as many conferences as I could and meeting the commercial people who are building these, that is critical. And the other, I, I just, I can't, you know, obviously this is a softball, but the CSA organization also was just, just so diverse and the different types of people from students to business owners to IT. We had bankers from an IT company come in and say, I have no idea how to uh, do this. So things I would have avoided, I, I really wish I would have gotten out of and a, an organization that just did not want to focus on this earlier. So, but uh, they did give me the leeway to, to kind of chart my own path. It's just uh, when when you're kind of that much of an independent person, you know, sometimes it's hard to get the top cover to really support and get other leadership to make some decisions. Yeah. You know, you've touched on something a couple of times and right there, it really popped out for me, which is, uh, I would call it, I would put it under the generic term networking. 
but building your network. You were talking about meeting these people and going to this conference yeah. and trade show. You know, building a network of people, an ecosystem, connecting yourself in the ecosystem of people that are working on this problem. So if you have any dream, I would say if any listener is at any stage of their path, but certainly earlier, the more they build that network, that's going to benefit from for years and years to come forever, their whole career. Absolutely. And one of the interesting challenges, especially for those, as we've talked about in the Intel organization, those people who are engineers and who are running all these tremendously fail-safe engineering systems and control systems, a lot of those are introverts and not really big people people uh, and and going out and wanting to talk to people. And uh, I really was kind of on the edge of that. uh, But uh, that's the only way to really understand what people are doing in here and get good uh, advice from others. And that's that's what has been also just tremendous about this community is everybody really has wanted to share, hey, this is kind of what I'm seeing. You know, do you have an idea about this? Or I've known that this had worked. So let me share this with you. And the number of vendors in this space has just grown up exponentially just in the last eight years. Um, so I'm very excited about that. You know, you, you've just bumped into another area that has come up in a lot of these interviews, which is around uh, mentorship and, and be, being a mentor and being a mentee. What, how has that played out in your path? It has been wonderful because this is a new field. There's been a number of folks who have kind of asked me for advice, and I've been able to, to be that mentor uh, about uh, almost about a dozen different folks that uh, routinely uh, I work with, which has been great for me to have a mentor above, you know, kind of to work with in the Department of Defense. There really hasn't been anybody yet because most of the folks are really just not focused in this area. Yeah. And it's just been a real struggle to, to get some some of the senior leaders or potential mentors to, to kind of appreciate it. Just a, kind of a, you know, an interesting story. We had a defense ag- intelligence agency give a brief to a bunch of seniors that said, you know, here's what all these adversaries are doing all over the world in these control systems. And so then I asked my, uh, I, I raised my hand. I said, well, if we don't have any sensors or any way of detecting an adversary presence on our network, what is the chances of being able to stop an adversary from doing any of that? You know, and the guy looked at me like, well, <laughs> like kind of a dumb question. You have zero chance. But that's when I turned to the leaders saying, you know, we've no investments to know what's on our network. So we can't say we don't think anything's on our network because we haven't looked. Ignorance is not going to be bliss. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Right. And you you know, with a lot of other folks you've talked to, almost every other time you, you actually do look, you find things that just shouldn't be or needed to be upgraded or yeah. there is something on there that shouldn't be. People aren't trained. People aren't doing the updates. And then, you know, then you have something come across like solar winds, or there'll be something solar winds like uh, that could really affect infrastructure. That makes sense. And I, I think a comment you made earlier, I also agree with. I, I find this community to be incredibly open. Uh, I'm not surprised you've you've mentored quite a few people. I, I, I think it's it's the more leadership level people I talk to, it's almost all of them say, yeah, somebody, I, I say, yes, I'll go have a cup of coffee with you and tell you all you want to know. You know, it's, it's, I think uh, people maybe are afraid to ask that, but um, uh, you know, clearly they should ask, right. They should say, you know, reach out and say, can I pick your brain? Can I talk to you? Can I buy you a drink? 
and they're going to get a, a surprising response from most people, I would say, right? Absolutely. I, every, everything, everybody, I think, wants to help in this area. Uh, it's just, I, I think there are some groups, I, I've, I've come across some people who are all of a sudden put in charge of something like this, and they don't know what to do and don't ask, and then it becomes a real struggle for them, and then they're, they're just not a good partner. Whereas if you know they had reached out in the beginning, we all could work together because we really need to. Uh, because you know the other thing is, yes, I work for the Department of Defense, but we have weapon systems, we have log- uh, logistical systems, we have medical systems, we have facilities, you know, we have manufacturing. But underneath all those systems, there's a lot of PLCs that are all the same. There are these control systems made by these manufacturers are not all that different, right? And they could be the same. And it could be the same, you know, on a building outside the base than inside the base. So that's yeah. what, it is, you know, the really the more sharing that we can do, absolutely the better. Let's talk about that. That's another interesting theme that I don't think we've touched on in, in the show is uh, DOD, government, uh, civilian sector sharing. You know, that that's obviously been something a lot of people have worried about. Sharing is a big issue. We, we, we don't share enough. We don't right. get enough information exchange. Our adversaries are willing to share quite you know, freely with each other. Uh, and we have a lot of silos and all we don't want to say and, and there's secrecy and then there's public stock companies don't want to let people know, you know, what is your view? What have you seen? Have you, are we making progress on sharing information? And what do you, what do you think we could do more of between government entities and non-government entities? What do you see the, the future hold there? Yeah, no, I, I, I've seen some share more than others. Uh, and I've seen, you know, sometimes there will come across some information that, it's it's a challenge. Do we you know we let the vendor know, or do we just just tell the vendor, and then you know what does the vendor do with it? Or uh, you know sometimes we even if we know something we could tell a vendor, and it's not on their schedule for six to eight months to fix. Well, it needs to be fixed now, right? So uh, there's some uh, you know challenges there, but I think more and more as we integrate and request that there are certain levels of standards of security that we expect, then they can build to those and then we can buy either a more secure model or less, depending upon whether, you know, it's just a guard shack or it's a, uh, you know, nuclear weapons uh, headquarters. Obviously, you need more security controls in than the other. There's a a cybersecurity uh, maturity model certification that is starting to get rolled out. And, uh, you know, they've assured me as I've asked them to integrate control systems into those uh, performance levels and and they're going to do that. So that's that's another way that, and I'm very confident that if we say, you know, we need it at this security level, they'll build it. Uh, right now, we just need to articulate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I hope, you know, that the, the bridge building, you know, that we're doing, the CC's doing, and I, you know, thank you for you know mentioning us. Uh, I know you you've been involved uh, almost as early as this organization has existed, and you were a chapter president in DC, and so it's always it's fun to be able to thank somebody who has the history of you know this thing's five years old that we've been kind of building this thing as yeah. flying the plane and building it at the same time. But but we do have these meetings and, and with people from all these different stakeholder groups and. Gosh, when that's right, it, it is magic, right? I mean, perspective is different, and vocabulary is different, and backgrounds and education is different, and just it, everything can be so different. But the problem we're trying to face together, 
you know, is is ubiquitous, right? It's it's more or less the same problem, but it's we all come from these different pieces and parts. And man, oh man, we we've got some dysfunction in some of those groups in communicating with each other, even inside right. same companies. And I hope, you know, in general, we're fixing that. And I hope, I hope we're fixing that, uh, you know, and saying, let's get together. Let's talk about this. Let's learn each other's vocabulary. And so I thank you for all the years you've, you've contributed to that in general sure. and with us. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it, it was really exciting to be part of a, a lot of those conversations with the CSA groups to where, you know, we've had, you know, uh, people who were looking to do cyber and didn't know where to get uh, to look for employment, right? Or, yeah. and next thing you know, there's a company that is offering them a job, right? Yeah. And so now, and then they were employed with them, and, and that's been working out great. I really just like the friendly atmosphere everybody has taken to do that. Uh, and those meetings, uh, again, a number of just people who didn't know anything about control systems uh, has just an easy environment to learn about it. Uh, and I'm just so excited about how. How many people have, have joined the organization? I, I know I was there one year in 2018, and it grew over 20%. And yeah. I think it's grown even more since John Lilly's been there. So yeah. that is just so super encouraging that uh, you know more and more folks want to learn about it. And and uh, I've been on some discussions with folks uh, with the National Security Council, with the, uh, the CIOs, and uh, you know improving the workforce is what we need. Yeah. And more of those people will be have these skills. And so, you know, that's I'm very encouraged about integrating these into cyber competencies and requirements. And we'll get there. And, and you're going to go to college and there's going to be, you know, an engineering degree that you're going to take a, a cyber course on infrastructure yeah. or, you know, and those sort of things. So they're getting there. Yeah. Well, that, so that's probably a little a little nugget, too, which is. Seek out wherever you're at, if you are in the academic circles, especially, but even if you're not, seek out those extra courses, grab a hold of one of those and make sure it's part of your part of your curriculum, part of what you're doing. You know, even if you're not specializing in it, start to get some of that. It'll be valuable asset no matter what you choose to do later. Right. And then, you know, I've seen some folks who are wanting to study cybersecurity have wanted, well, what kind of an engineering class can I take? Yeah. Um, so I get an appreciation of infrastructure and they were able to in Georgetown University and in George Mason, they've been able to pull those courses in because the students wanted it. And so, you know, it's, it, you know, if you ask for it, potentially, you know, they're going to make it happen because you know this it's getting folks excited about this it's kind of an interesting challenge because your infrastructure, your building, your lights, a lot of the time they're up all the time. Right. And so you kind of take that for granted. But, you know, just imagine living without it. Right. And so a lot of times, I'll, you know, we've got all this new technology coming, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, um, you know, machine learning. They all are going to need water and power. So they all are going to depend upon, you know, uh, you know, control system. So really, you know, a, a control system cybersecurity expert is going to be incredibly valuable going forward. Well, you know, you, you beat me to my you know question I love to ask, and that's that very thing, which is people uh, sometimes ask us, especially our entry-level folks or career change folks, say, what what can I start focusing on now that will make me very valuable in the future? Certainly, we're short, you know, a million to multiple millions of job positions in the security market, right. depending on whose report you read. But even within that, there would be things that would make somebody even more valuable. But if you looked ahead, you know, is that machine learning, AI, 
understanding the fundamentals of building, you know, of control systems, of, of engineering platforms. You right. know, what are those things you think you think if somebody says, hey, if you want to be really in demand five years from now, what what would you what areas would you put your finger on? So I, I would think really focusing on the engineering aspect of things and really understanding, you know, what it takes to, to make things work and come together and the construct underneath that. You can integrate security into that. You could learn how to integrate technology into that. Uh, you can learn how to build that in. But uh, I think it's it's much more of a challenge to understand the engineering and foundation of some of, of that when you just know the technology side. So I, I think really focusing in on on the engineering aspect first, uh, and then learning how technology can make that much more secure. That gives me hope. It sounds like also we might have things that come out of the box secure by design well, with a whole new generation of engineers. That's exactly what we're going to do. And that's you know what's interesting. Congress is putting language out there for the Internet of Things. Manufacturers have to build things that can't be exploited. Their kids can't be spied on by cameras. You know, yes. those things. I mean, we have a history of inventing something and putting it to market. You know, all the, you know, these medical pumps and things that you can, uh, you know, do wirelessly. Uh, we have drones wirelessly. You know, uh, we have all these, you know, you could track everybody where they were monitoring Fitbits and all these different things. Uh, but then, then we found out there was a security problem. And then we said, well, well now we got to go back and, and do that. So I think we have to, you have to think a little bit more with security in mind. That's a mindset that's going to change. You know, I, I just more that you have to kind of assume that someone is going to try and use what you've developed in a way that you didn't think of. And that's one of the real challenges for the engineering community who know how to make things work, make it work together the way they designed it and anticipating and even reliably. Like exactly. Every time. Well, it works all the time. Right. Yeah. But I didn't anticipate that uh, I can go in and make a recording through the call button on an elevator. Right. I didn't anticipate that I'm able to uh, use a turn a thermostat into a microphone. So, but yeah. those are the sort of things that uh, we've got to get the engineering mind and the technology mind and the intelligence minds kind of all coming together as an intersection. And I think we're working on that. I, I've seen it like in, in different a aspects. I, I think it will take uh, a shift in big leadership to really make that a focus. Uh, and, and I'm confident that uh, we're going to see it. Well, that is a message of hope, uh, which is a good, as we start to wrap this up, that's a good message to end on. What are you excited about? Let's, if you had to gaze into the future in this area uh, of endeavor, what are you excited about, Daryl? Well, a couple of things is, like I mentioned, uh, and we've talked about manufacturers are going to be held to a higher standard and be uh, required to make things more secure. People are going to have more information to make informed choices on buying something that's that they that should be more secure. I think uh, education is going to start including you know the infrastructure side. STEM is going to start including infrastructure rather than just focusing on IT. So I, I really see a, a line of, of getting there, a, a good slope of progress, if you will. Obviously, a lot of us would like to see it go you know a lot faster. Yeah. And, and more of these types of sessions, more of the CCA uh, reach outs uh, can help us get there quicker. That's a great vision of the future. I I, uh, I love it. 
Okay, now comes my favorite time in the show when I borrow from another show. So I've always been a big fan of Inside the Actor Studio. It was uh, hosted by James Lipton for decades. He unfortunately has passed uh, not that long ago, but the show uh, was syndicated in, in many, many countries. I think over 100 countries, and he interviewed some of the greatest actors of our time uh, on the stage at, at the, the drama school in New York where he was on the faculty. And he ended the show with this questionnaire that he borrowed from a French show. And so it's called the Pivot Questionnaire. Uh, it goes back now many decades between the borrowings of it. And so I'm borrowing it today. So if you're ready to go, I'll ask you the Pivot Questionnaire. Ready. Okay. What is your favorite word? Trust. What is your least favorite word? Grits. What turns you on, either creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? So music, exercising, and sporting activities. What turns you off? Those who don't share. What is your favorite curse word, if you're willing to share or abbreviate? Dagnabbit. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Four-part vocal harmony, you know, uh, like barbershop quartet. What sound or noise do you hate? Loud mufflers. What profession other than, other than your own would you like to attempt? An actor. What profession would you like to not do? School bus driver. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? The power and lighting is super cyber secure here. Check it out. Uh, Y'all did well. The world's a better place because of you, your compatriots, and your family. All right. Thank you, Daryl Hagley. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I've got Dar uh, just wrapping up with Daryl Hagley, Director of Mission Assurance and Cyber Deterrence for the DOD in the United States. Thank you, Daryl, for your service and for your time and for uh, sharing your, your story with us today. It's been a pleasure.